Father in heaven, as we hear you speak to us through your letter to the Ephesians, please give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened so that we may know the hope to which you've called us and your incomparably great power for all who believe in the good news of your Son. And as we come to think about uh, marriage and what you have to say to us, we don't want to be naive. Uh, We know that for many of us, um, our experience of marriage, directly or indirectly, is painful and hard. And so we ask for your grace to us this morning. We ask for your Holy Spirit to be at work in our hearts and our lives. Might we hear what you have to say to each one of us this morning. Amen. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 5. Uh, it's there on the sheets. Oh, Sadie's reading. Wonderful. I've forgotten you to what we've got. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 33. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives wives submit to to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks for watching. Not long ago, uh, Similarly, Pen, we were trying to do a jigsaw puzzle. And we had the pieces of the jigsaw all over the floor, uh, but we didn't have the box. And the box had the picture for the jigsaw. And if you've ever tried making a jigsaw 
uh, without the box, not knowing what the picture's really supposed to be, you'll know it's pretty hard to fit the pieces together. Uh, What we've got in front of us this morning is, if you like, the picture on the box uh, when it comes to marriage. Uh, The picture that God gives us. Uh, Marriage isn't easy. But it's easier to fit the pieces together if you've got the picture that you're aiming for. Uh, So that's what we're going to be doing uh, this week uh, and next week. Um, Now, it goes without saying, obviously, that as a a topic, it's one that comes with a, a lot of... Uh, emotional heat for many of us. Uh, and it may well be that uh, some of the verses, some of the words we just read, have uh, sort of pushed your buttons in a number of ways. Uh, I guess we just want to be careful a little bit as we come into this. Uh, please don't uh, respond uh, to things that I haven't said. Uh, it may well be that actually some of us are sitting here and we're already seething because uh, there are things that we've heard people say, uh, there are things that you're expecting me to say, uh, and you're already getting a little bit cross about it. Let's wait and see, shall we? Let's wait and see. Uh, And let's be careful, I guess, before anything else, uh, to be responding to what God says in his word here. It may very well be right for you to seethe at distortions and false teaching that you've heard before. I think we want to be uncomfortable about seething and getting too angry with God about what he says. Uh, One of the things we're going to be doing this morning is kind of uh, just setting up a few things. We're going to think about perhaps the the hard cases, the difficult things uh, a bit more next week. Uh, uh, Hopefully one of the things that will do will be to give us a bit of time uh, to just prepare ourselves and think, okay, how... How are we going to come to this bit of God's word? Uh, but what I recognise as well, uh, we'll be responding to all of this through our own experiences. Uh, some of us will have had experience of uh, marriages that have broadly kind of worked uh, according to a pattern and perhaps not the pattern that God lays out for us here. Uh, many of us will have uh, had some kind of experience of marriages that haven't worked for a whole variety of reasons, whether our own, our, our parents' marriages, uh, marriages of those uh, close to us. Uh, we're going to be responding through the, the kind of lens of our own experience, our own uh, histories, and so we want to do that carefully and delicately. Uh, but for this week, we're, we're really, if you like, looking at the, the kind of bread of the sandwich. We're looking at the, the, the blue bits, if you like, uh, of the reading that's in front of us. Uh, and we'll think more next week about the uh, the kind of specifics of uh, husbands and wives and their roles and, and how that might work and where that might be difficult. Um, uh, but the, um, the bread of the sandwich, if you like, uh, this morning. Uh, two things for us to see together. God's power for marriage uh, comes from being filled by the Holy Spirit and revering Christ. Uh, God's pattern for marriage, the other end of the sandwich, uh, comes from Christ and the church. Uh, first thing, God's uh, power for marriage comes from being filled by the Holy Spirit and revering Christ. Uh, if you've been following with us through uh, the book of Ephesians so far, uh, Paul's been showing us what happens when a, a group of people rescued by Jesus, uh, reconciled to God, empowered by his Spirit, what happens when they begin to uh, live out their calling? 
Uh, what happens when a group of Christians are filled by the Spirit? Well, one of the things we're told there in verse 21. That people submit to one another and have reverence for Christ. Uh, and in a way, that should be no surprise to us. Christians uh, come to resemble King Jesus. And life in King Jesus' uh, kingdom expresses the character of the king. Uh, what is the character of the king? Well, Jesus is the king who uh, puts other people first. He doesn't use his power to uh, dominate, but to serve. He uses uh, strength uh, to lift people up, not to put them down. Jesus doesn't insist that he gets what he's entitled to as the Son of God. He comes and he serves people. And so when the Holy Spirit enables us to grasp the gospel, our hearts come to resemble the heart of Jesus. And amongst other things, we serve. We are other people first people. See, amongst other things, the gospel tells us two big things. We're more terrible than we realise. And in Christ, we're more loved and more accepted than we could dream. Uh, we're more terrible than we realised. Uh, see, we make our sin out to be a small thing. We claim, well, we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect, that sort of thing. But Jesus, no, no, it's far, far worse than that. Our sin spoils everything. Everything we are, everything we do, everything we say, it's all spoiled. That's why our relationships are such hard work. That's why, try as we might, we keep spoiling things, even with those that we love the most. Jesus diagnoses our hearts. He says we're more terrible than we ever realised. And see, when you grasp that dimension of the gospel, it it humbles you. You're slower to to claim what you deserve and you're quicker to see and to enjoy God's grace. We're more terrible than we ever realised. But in Christ, we're more loved and accepted than we could dream. See, God doesn't uh, treat us as our sins deserve. Jesus comes and says, I will share my righteousness with you. So you can share in the love that God the Father has for me. Jesus says, you're loved and you're accepted. God delights in you. Not because of what you do, but because of what he has done. And when you grasp that, when you grasp something of the fullness of his love and the fullness of his acceptance, well, that, that frees you up to give out to other people. You're not so needy for other people's love and admiration anymore because you're beginning to taste the love and the delight that you were made for. See, the gospel frees us to be like the king who has served us. Frees us to serve others. Now, that is... Uh, life in a community of people who've grasped the gospel, Paul says. People in whom uh, the Holy Spirit is at work. People who uh, revere Christ. Now Paul uses the word submission. And that's not a word that we instinctively like, is it? And we'll, we'll think some more about it uh, next week. But for now, just to note two things. Uh, Jesus, God the Son, submitted to God the Father. And in doing that, he remained fully and equally God. Submitting didn't make him less. In fact, it simply displayed his glory for us. So submission didn't make Jesus less when he did it. And secondly, uh, Jesus submitted voluntarily. Uh, And in fact, the word Paul uses here is one where it's something you choose to do for yourself. It's not that you are subjugated. You, You choose to submit. That is what Jesus did. 
And we're told here that the, the power for married life uh, and for other patterns that are going to follow uh, on in chapter 6, the, the power comes from this gospel dynamic of being filled uh, with the Spirit and revering Christ. It gives you the power to submit and to serve without uh, feeling yourself to be diminished. If it didn't diminish Jesus, why would it diminish us? It gives us the power to uh, serve other people when others don't deserve it. That's the way Jesus served us. We didn't deserve it. It gives us the power, if you like, to uh, submit to other people. And we're not doing that for them. We're doing that for Jesus. Uh, A loving reverence for Jesus, says Paul, is what gives us the power uh, to live out this pattern, to to submit to other people in whatever kind of ordered relationship that that, uh, the Bible prescribes for us. I'll be glad that is hard, and we'll come on to think about some of the hard uh, cases next week. But it's a far greater and more wonderful power than anything else we might reach for. See, if I only submit to you when you're doing what I want you to do, if I only love you when you're lovely, then sooner or later what happens when you're not? The relationship breaks down. But if you love somebody else for Jesus' sake, if you uh, submit to them out of reverence for him because you're submitting to him, well, he's always worthy of that. And so it needn't ever break down. And I always help you in that. Because you won't let you go. Uh, God's power for marriage uh, comes uh, from the Holy Spirit, from uh, revering Christ. The second thing for us to see, the, the sort of other end of the sandwich, and we'll spend uh, a bit more time there. Uh, God's pattern for marriage uh, comes from Christ and the church. Sit back to my uh, jigsaw spread out on the floor. Uh, what is the pattern that God gives uh, for marriage? Uh, Paul looks at marriage and he says in effect uh, this is about that he looks uh, back do you see there to the description of uh, the first marriage between Adam and Eve the the prototype if you like for all human marriages Uh, and he reminds us what uh, Genesis says for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh and Paul says that, that is a picture of Christ and the church Uh, When Paul says that it's a profound mystery, in verse 32, it's not that he's shaking his head and saying, marriage, what a mystery, who can get their head around that? Although we might feel like that sometimes. Uh, Mystery in Ephesians means something. Uh, It refers to God's uh, deliberate and timeless plan to bring everything together under Christ. It's a mystery that was hidden, uh, but now at the proper time it's been revealed to his people been made known and so Paul says now that it's been made known we understand what marriage is truly for it's not that he's looking around for an illustration for Christ in the church and he hits upon marriage and goes oh oh, that'll work like I might hit upon the illustration of a jigsaw Paul's saying God's plan was always for marriage to be a picture a picture of Christ in the church Now, the idea of Christians being a picture won't be new to us. Uh, Christians are called to be a a kind of walking, talking visual aid uh, for what God is like and how he rules. God made us in his image for that reason. 
sin spoils us, but human beings, we're created ourselves to be, if you like, a picture of what God is like. But there are some pictures that you can't paint on your own. A diverse community of different people brought together with different backgrounds and experiences, different languages and cultures. You, you can't paint that kind of picture of reconciliation, of united diversity on your own. You just can't. But you need the church. As we relate to one another as church, we, we paint that picture. Uh, to paint a picture of uh, permanent, committed love, the kind of love that Christ has for his church, to uh, show the world Jesus' self-giving love to which he says to the church, my, my righteousness, my riches, my future, I, I share all of that with you. Uh, to paint a, a living picture of what it looks like to, uh, to forsake all others and to show the world that our future is bound up with Christ, you can't paint that picture on your own. To paint that picture of Christ and the church, God created man. So we're going to explore what that looks like in more depth uh, next week and how it plays out for the particular roles. Uh, but the filling of the sandwich there, uh, we'll get to it. For this week, just a, a couple of uh, observations, a couple of big things that kind of flow out of that idea of, uh, of this pattern, this picture. Uh, God's uh, pattern for marriage uh, isn't cultural. That's the first observation. Uh, Paul takes us back to Genesis uh, chapter 2, the very first marriage. At that time, uh, Adam and Eve, they're everybody. They're the whole of humanity. Uh, People haven't yet filled the earth. Uh, Culture isn't yet particularly sort of uh, uh, divided or or diversified. Uh, And so when God creates marriage, it wasn't a way of arranging property rights for Bronze Age people. And it wasn't uh, an idea for a particular culture. It was created for human beings to follow a timeless pattern. Now we don't live in the Garden of Eden anymore. And life is more complicated now. We don't want to be naive about that. Sin has come into the world and sin spoils everything, including marriage. Every marriage is spoiled now. Every marriage partner is a sinner spoiled by sin. They will spoil their marriages. That's why we need God's power to live out God's pattern for marriage. Without uh, his life-transforming, forgiving grace, marriage will be even harder. But this pattern that we're giving is it's given to us before culture. Uh, we've got to work out the difference that sin makes. We've got to work out the difference culture makes. But as we'll see next week, God's pattern, it, it does give us kind of freedom within fixed points. So every married couple is unique, their marriage is unique. Uh, a group of uh, married couples, if you like, are like a, a kind of glorious art exhibition. Every couple a kind of um, a sort of freestyle variation on the theme, uh, a unique representation of uh, Christ and the church. Uh, each one unique, but there's an underlying pattern there. Uh, and we'll see how uh, we've got to do the hard work of kind of figuring out what, what that looks like in our culture now. Uh, one of the sticking points will be uh, whether the roles of partners are interchangeable. But it would seem here that built into God's pattern is difference. Uh, Christ and the church are different. Uh, their roles are different. The church didn't die for Christ. So we'll need to do the hard work of figuring out what we uh, can and we can't paint in this picture. 
Right? See, the job of the church is not to reflect the culture around us. We're to reflect the picture God has given us. Right? So we'll think about some of that next week. Uh, one of the reasons uh, why it would be great to have a bit of time to talk uh, over food and perhaps during the week is uh, so that we can begin to voice some of the difficulties we've got with some of this. Uh, it would be great to hear from people, actually, uh, I have a really strong visceral objection to X. Or, actually, as I've experienced marriage, I've found Y to be nigh and impossible. And yet you tell me it's what I'm called to in the Bible. What am I to do with that? It would be great to have those conversations over the coming week in order that next Sunday morning can serve us even better as we look at the filling in the sandwich. Uh, But uh, for now, God's pattern for marriage uh, isn't cultural, which means we're going to have work to do and we're going to expect it to be different to the world around us. Uh, It isn't uh, cultural. Uh, The other uh, observation, God's pattern for marriage, it isn't easy. (laughs) Uh, You don't need to uh, be or have been married uh, to know that. God's pattern isn't easy. Uh, And in in a way, it's so obvious it doesn't need to be said, but if we forget about it, we're in trouble, I think. Uh, Because what can happen is we start to think, if it's hard, then it's not right. Uh, Either we're doing something wrong, or as husband and wife, we're wrong for each other. And either way, what will happen is we'll give up on God's pattern for marriage, or we'll give up on the marriage altogether. God's pattern for marriage isn't easy if the pattern is Christ and the church. Uh, Was it easy for Christ to love the church? He gave himself for her. He suffered and died in her place so that she might enjoy life in all its fullness. It cost him. It cost him his comfort, his status, his life. If you're here this morning as a husband or uh, potentially a, a future husband and you think this is the key to an easy life, then you've completely misunderstood the picture. God's path for marriage, it isn't easy. Is it easy to be the church? Being a Christian costs you. There are times when you don't want to submit to Christ. There are times when we feel the pull of other loves. And yet when that's hard... Our answer shouldn't be, well, I'm going to give up on Christ because it feels hard and I'm, I'm going to give up on this pattern of discipleship. When we feel those other loves, we say, now, I want to recommit to Christ. God's pattern for marriage. It isn't easy. Whether you're a husband or a wife. I guess looking around the room, some of us here will be married, but we find it really hard at the moment. Some of us here aren't married, but we're finding that really hard at the moment. And, and we might think, if I were to be married, it would solve all my problems. Some of us are living with the wounds, emotional, physical, spiritual, uh, of our marriages. According to this pattern, marriage isn't easy. Uh, and that's true whether you aspire to uh, the Bible's pattern for marriage or any other uh, pattern. Two people spoiled by sin uh, coming together, that is never going to be easy. Not for very long. God's pattern for marriage doesn't claim that it's easy. That's why we need God's power as well. God's pattern for marriage, is, uh, it's not cultural, it isn't easy. But just briefly as we close, uh, can be wonderful. See, the relationship between Christ and his church is extraordinary, isn't it? 
for someone else to commit to you unreservedly. To, to, to go into a relationship, eyes open, knowing you're a sinner, but trusting that God's grace will transform you to make you something beautiful and committing to be part of that transformation for you. That is not easy, but it is extraordinary. See, as Christian people, we get the privilege, if we're married, to be uh, walking, talking pictures. All of us get the privilege of being walking, talking pictures of uh, what God is like and how he works. We get to do that in all kinds of ways, in uh, church life, in family life, in uh, our workplaces. And Ephesians is going to address each of those. But here, it's specifically addressing husbands and wives and saying there's, there's something unique that you can do here. If you're married, you have the privilege of picturing for other people the extraordinary love between Christ and his church. And many in our culture will look at that and they'll say, well, that's repressive. As God's uh, pattern runs contrary, doesn't it, to human flourishing, to human freedom. But if you know Jesus, you know that's not true. You know he's not like that. You know he brings freedom. He enables at flourishing, he uses his power to serve, he uses his authority to protect. So, to pattern marriage on our relationship with him, with the power the Holy Spirit provides out of reverence for Jesus, surely that will be good news. And it'll be good for those of us who are married to move closer to that pattern. It'll be good news for the world to see it. We're going to spend some more time thinking about it. Uh, next week but it's helpful to have uh, the, the slices of bread in the sandwich in, in place as it were see marriage is not easy it's not easy for any uh, pair of sinners brought together uh, God's pattern for marriage is not easy which is why we need God's power to enable it but it's also why we need God's pattern in order that marriage can be what it's supposed to be I'm not suggest we take a moment of quiet. It may well be that you um, bear the scars uh, of the hardness of married life in different ways. And you want to just take a moment and come to the Lord for, for healing. It might be that you have certain expectations of what marriage uh, could or should deliver for you. You might want to ask God to help you manage those expectations and fit them with his power. It might be you want to ask God for his power through the Holy Spirit to live this act. Why don't we take a moment and then I'll pray.